I'm going to have one more day in the Gospel of John before we take a break from the Gospel of John. Uh, today, Lord willing, we will finish chapter 11. And so sometime in the new year will be, if Lord willing, also chapter to start chapter 12 of John. So John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. John chapter 11, verses 45 through 57. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say of his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not only for that nation, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus. And spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Last week, uh, we uh, considered the passage where Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was in the grave for four days, came forth from the dead. And this passage starts with the response to that. And that is that many were believing in Jesus. They saw Lazarus raised and it resulted in many believing. But if you look here, there's a but here following many believing it says, but, and then it tells us that as many believed, there were still some, and probably quite a few, that were still Christ's enemies. They saw Lazarus. They literally saw this man come out of a grave. And yet they were still opposing Jesus. This is why I call this sermon, Deader Than Dead. There's a dead man who hears the voice of the Son of God and obeys and comes to life. But there were people who seem to be alive, but they can't hear at all. 
they were deader than dead. Point number one. The purpose of great miracles is to inspire faith and life. It says in verse 45, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. That was the purpose of these miracles. Jesus raised Lazarus in order that people would believe. This is the purpose that is expressed by John, the author of the gospel, for writing this gospel. He says at the end of this book, we haven't got there yet, but a few times I've jumped forward to quote these verses. John 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, And truly Jesus did many other signs, and signs here means miracles, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, meaning the ones that are included in the book, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The reason that John wrote down, uh, among the other miracles, the miracle of the raising of Lazarus, is that we would believe, that we would come to faith. We should believe just reading about these miracles. Uh, how much more should have they believed when they actually saw such a miracle? The raising of Lazarus was seen by a crowd. There was a great crowd of people there and undoubtedly was among the greatest of all of Jesus' miracles. The purpose is achieved. The purpose of salvation, the purpose of life, the purpose of faith is achieved in all who believed uh, then and even now. That purpose of this miracle is achieved when we believe. Yes, Jesus did raise Lazarus. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, he is the Christ. Yes, he can save me from my sins. When we believe those things, that miracle is accomplishing its purpose in our lives. That's point number two. Faith and life comes by hearing. Verse 43, back to last week's uh, a message just a little. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus was in the grave. Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was four days dead. Uh, according to uh, Martha, by now he stinketh. Or, he, or there's a stench. It says in verse 44, though, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him, let him go. And this is what happens, not to us physically, but spiritually when we hear Christ's voice, when we hear not just the preacher, but when we hear Jesus speaking to our hearts through God's Spirit, speaking to us, uh, there is a life-giving power in that spirit. We call it an effectual call, uh, a call that brings life to us. Jesus says as much as he's talking in John 6. He says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, 
are spirit and they are life. Jesus' words were meant to communicate spiritually, spiritual things. Uh, in chapter 6, they wanted bread, 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 physical bread. They didn't want any kind of spiritual interpretation of who Jesus was, but that's what they needed even more than uh, their bread. Some come to life, yet others physically alive, but spiritually dead. Hear, if they hear at all, with rotten hearts. It says, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. John eleven forty six. They go, as soon as they see Lazarus risen from the dead, what do they do? They go to Jesus' enemies. We got to tell them, he just raised somebody from the dead. Oh no, we're in trouble. He's raising people from the dead now. This is bad, this is bad, this is bad. They can't see anything good about this. Somebody risen from the dead. All they see is that their opponent is winning. That's leading to the third point, which is the deader than dead depravity of man, less hearing than a dead man. Verse 46, it says, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them, the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered to council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. One quote I like, and I don't know who said it first, but the same rain and sunshine that causes flowers and fruit trees to grow causes manure to stink. And that's what we see in this passage uh, there were people who saw Lazarus raised from the dead and they believed and they were saved and they had life. But there were others who saw that and not only does it not give them life, but there's so much the worse. Uh, God's judgment is seen in this. The ungodly often proclaim, if I saw someone risen from the dead, I would believe. But the but here the opposite is the case. When my dad was still an unbeliever, and I'm glad he came to faith later in his life, he would say that to me. He says, you raised somebody from the dead, and I'll believe. And that's what they typically say. But here we see these people saw somebody risen from the dead, but they were still enemies of Jesus. Some saw Lazarus risen, Yet all they do is run to Jesus' enemies. These enemies, religious leaders, people who acknowledge not only this great miracle, but other miracles, signs they say plural, but they do not acknowledge the miracle worker. Notice verse 45, it says, Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? 
For this man works many signs. This is what they're saying right after Lazarus is risen from the dead. How, how, how can we fight this? How can we battle this? He's performing many miracles. These weren't people who doubted that Jesus did this. They knew he was performing miracles. They're admitting he's performing miracles. Yet they still do not believe. Note, they not only acknowledge the miracle, but they also anticipate the faith that the miracles will inspire. If we let him alone, they say, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. John eleven forty eight. Note here, they knew the purpose of the miracle. They knew it would inspire faith. If he keeps raising people from the dead, what are we going to do? Uh, everybody will believe in him. Everybody except for them. That's how hard-hearted they were. How deadly dead they were. They expected it would inspire a lot of faith. They knew that was the purpose of a miracle. To inspire people to believe. Everyone, they said, would believe in him. They expected almost the whole crowd to believe. Yet they themselves refused to believe. They need to be Jesus' enemies. This depravity was despite great privilege and learning. These were the Pharisees. These were those who, who gave themselves to study of Scripture. These were the chief priests. Those who were honored among the people uh, for their knowledge of God's word. This was even Caiaphas, the high priest, who's among these who want Jesus dead. Paul tells of the great privilege the Jews had in general, even in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock which followed them and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Here Moses, or Paul talking about Moses is saying, they passed through the Red Sea. They saw God divide the Red Sea, and they crossed over. They ate spiritual food, meaning the manna fell down from heaven to feed them. They drank spiritual drink, meaning that when Moses struck the rock, uh, the water came out for them and provided their drink. And he's saying they saw all these miracles, and yet many of them still died in the wilderness. Why? Because they did not have the faith to take the promised land. They were privileged and they had all these things, but they still did not believe. And here in this chapter in John 11, not only those things which they would have read about and known to be in the Old Testament, but now they have seen Jesus's miracles and Jesus has just risen somebody from the dead, and they still do not believe. They're just like the Old Testament Jews who died in the wilderness. Uh, here they die even seeing miracles. These had privileges, 
under Rome, if we let him alone, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place and nation. When it says the Romans, it, you know, it sounds, they, they were under Rome, they, they were occupied by Rome. Uh, they must have had some of their power by permission from Rome, uh, but they were worried that Jesus, he might because he's becoming so popular, he's becoming so big, we will lose our, our, our positions, our wealth, what we have if we, if we go on Jesus' side. They were big shots and they, were, and they knew they were following Christ, that following Christ they meant, meant giving up that big shot status. Jesus talking about the Pharisees in Matthew 23 says the Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you, observe and, and observe and do, but do not according to their works where they say and do not, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay on men's shoulders, and they and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move with one of their fingers, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries large and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Hear what Jesus is saying. He says they had a certain status. They were respected by the people. And Jesus says that was their reward. That was what they had. And here in the Gospel of John, why they don't believe in Jesus when he's doing miracles, uh, it means we'd have to admit we're sinners. Uh, we'd, have to, we'd have to follow him. We'd lose our place. We wouldn't be the highest up anymore. We will be under him, and he's meek and lowly. What is their solution? Killing Christ was their only solution. Verse 49, it says, And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say of his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for that nation only, but also he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. And there he remained with the disciples. So here we see in this passage a true prophecy from a false man. This is wrong thinking on Caiaphas' part. Uh, one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest, said, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it's expedient that one man die for the people. Now, he's not saying this because he's believing Jesus would die for uh, their sins, which is what Jesus would do. And they would have their part in killing Jesus. But he's saying it because he thinks if Jesus dies, we maintain our authority among the people as, as the high priests and as the Pharisees and as the people who respect. And because we are in control, we will make sure that the nation is okay. We're the saviors. 
He's not. He needs to die. That's the way they thought. Expedient for one man to die. One man rather than many is the way they thought. And this is part of the way people think uh, who are dead in their trespasses and sin. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This is death thinking from dead men. Men who are dead in trespasses and sins think death is the way to go. We need to kill him. We need to kill him. We need to kill him. Uh, a girl has a, a baby out of out wedlock. The solution is kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. Uh, we need to have these kind of things. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Uh, the thief is Satan. The thief is the devil who has this mindset that death is the way to go. Death is a solution. Even the whole theory of evolution, when you think of it, it's all about death bringing uh, perfection because we get rid of the, you know, it's the survival of the fittest. We get rid of the weakest ones and the best ones survive and, and multiply according to that theory. John eight forty four says, You are of your father, the devil, Jesus is speaking. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. The devil destroys people by lies. And these people were believing a lie uh, in the way they wanted to kill Jesus as I said, this is why abortion is considered more of a solution than adoption. Uh, why not adoption? Why, why is abortion always considered? This is the way to go. These people were dead in their trespasses and sins. Scripture tells us we were all once this way. And you he hath made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and were by, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. The children of wrath, by nature, they want to put Jesus to death. Even today, there's a great fight against Christianity. And in many countries, Christians are put to death. In North Korea, if you have a Bible study, uh, and they catch you, they take you out in the street and they run you over uh, with a steamroller for having a Bible study. That's how they get rid of Christians. That's their solution. And we see that is the same that they were going to do to Jesus. He was preaching righteousness. He was... Uh, preaching against their sins, but they didn't want to be seen as sinners. They weren't willing to admit that they were sinners. So instead of admitting their own sin and coming to faith in Christ, they want to kill him. Yet Jesus' dying for sinners was also God's plan for us. That's why it says even here in John 11, 
in verse 51, Now this he did not say of his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not, only, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. There is a prophecy right there in the Gospel of John. John knew that Jesus was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He knew that Jesus' death would pay for our sins and accomplish salvation. And this man saying it as high priest was prophesying without knowing what he was saying. He was saying the right things even though he had the wrong heart. He, Jesus had to die or none of us would be saved. And the hatred of men would eventually accomplish what the love of God was going to do because God sent his son into this world uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to die for our sins. And so man hates, he has, he's sinful. He wants to kill God, but God wants to save man. And the, the purposes go together. Acts 4, 27 and 28 says, For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, meaning God anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, Herod was the leader of the Jews, Pontius Pilate another leader of the Jews, with the Gentiles, meaning the Roman authorities, and the people of Israel, meaning all the Jews who were there, were gathered together. They were gathered together saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then in Acts it says, to do whatever your hand and your purpose had determined before. God had determined these things to happen for our salvation. These ungodly men were putting Jesus to death, but it was for ultimately under God's control. Point number five, which I've already communicated in a way, a dying Savior is our only way of salvation. Joseph, in, in Genesis 50, when he's talking to his brothers who had thrown him down in the pit many years before, said to them, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant it evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers and sold into slavery. And they only meant evil when they did that. They did not mean that any good would come out of it. But out of this, Joseph is sold into Egypt and eventually he's made ruler in Egypt under Pharaoh. And he has his own brother's lives in his hands. Well, in this position, he forgives them and he's gracious to them. And so God is to us. Uh, the, there was nothing good, it says in verse 53, then from that day on they plotted to put him to death and there was nothing good in the Jews' evil plotting against Jesus. There was nothing good in what they were doing themselves. Only God's plan was good and God's plan allowed them to do these things but this was their own sinful hearts that were doing these things. 
Satan came into Judas. As he, Judas, had a wicked part with these wicked men. It says Luke 22, 3 through 6. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and confirmed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Let's find him in a place where the multitude can't help him. Some place that's quiet. How do we do this? Well, Judas says, I will do it. I'm one of his followers. I can deliver you, Jesus, when it's nighttime, when other people won't be able to come around him. The Gentiles, the Roman soldiers, also had their part in Jesus' suffering and death. John 19, 1-3 says, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put it on, a, on him a purple robe, and they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. This would be a hundred Roman soldiers around him, striking Jesus. They would say, Prophesy. Who hit you? All this kind of thing. Uh, so the Gentiles are not out of this. They're part of it. Jesus' death was also, though, God's plan, as I said before, for, to, for uh, truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Note God's determined purpose and lawless hands are both parts of Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, but the part that saves us is God's part. Men of Israel, it says in Peter's sermon, Acts 22 and through 24, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, including that raising of Lazarus, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Here they, in their own sin, nail Jesus to the cross. Again, that's stated by Peter. But also it's according to the foreknowledge of God. God's plan was this would happen. And he uses this. The last part of John 11 mentions the Passover, point number six. And the Passover of the Jews was near. And many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Sinfully, they sought to kill him. The raising of Lazarus, probably in the Jewish year, probably happened about the time, like we're right where we're now, we are now. And they were seeking to kill him. And when it comes to the time of Passover, that's more around the time that we celebrate uh, Good Friday and Easter. And so this is a period of time in this passage. All this time they're seeking to kill him, but they did not see him. 
Also, they did not realize he was the Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since truly you are unleavened. For, Christ, for indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Remember in the Old Testament the purpose of the Passover. They would kill a lamb and they put its blood on, on, uh, uh, around their doors uh, and the doorposts. And they would eat that lamb. And when, they, when the angel of death would pass through the place, he would pass over, meaning he wouldn't kill the firstborn in those houses. Jesus was always the one who that pointed to because all are condemned to death, not just the firstborn, but all of us. Uh, but the blood of the lamb, if Jesus, if that blood of the lamb, that means Jesus' blood, is covering us, God passes over us. That's why in the New Testament, even in 1 Corinthians, and the Corinthians were, were mostly a Gentile people, Paul, who is a Jew, says Jesus is our Passover. Not just the Passover for the Jews that were in Corinth, but for the whole group, Jews and Gentiles. In John 129, and this is some time ago, we read, the next day John, meaning John the Baptist, not John the Gospel writer, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, or the sin of the world. That's who Jesus is. He's the Lamb of God. These people, when they want to kill him, and, and they eventually do, uh, they had no good, good motive in doing this. They only had rottenness in this. And yet God allowed it. And God used it to save us. And maybe some of those even repented and were saved. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage talking about the response that people had to Jesus' raising of Lazarus. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful that many did believe. Many saw Lazarus risen from the dead and they believed and they had faith and, and they, they followed you, we believe, and are saved. And yet we see also many did not believe even though they saw a miracle. And Father, when we share your gospel, we should realize people are not neutral. Even if they see great things, a lot of times they won't believe. Even if we have good, solid arguments, uh, they will go against them. And so, Father, we need to pray for your power that you would save them, that you would turn them around. Because only you can soften such a hard heart. Only you can take away the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. And so, Father, make us men and women of prayer as we enter this Christmas season and as we come to a new year, we pray you'd help us each, each of us to be used by you for your glory and praise and for the advancement of your kingdom. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.